As I was a kid, I was taught the song. He's got the whole world in his hands, and it was kind of fun. But lately, maybe you've been wondering, I mean, is it, is it still there? And I think it is. And what I have learned and experienced firsthand is this. Uncertainty is God's favorite environment. It seems like that's when he gets the most accomplished. It's during uncertainty that we experience fear and insecurity. And that seems to like get an individual's undivided attention. I mean, isn't that true? I, I don't know about you, but I think we could probably say we've all prayed more since quarantine started. It's an uncertainty when a nation gets God's undivided attention. Sometimes when people repent of their sins, or at least they take inventory of their lives. I mean, it's when values are reshuffled. It's, it's when what's important starts to shoot to the top of our priority list and our hobbies kind of take a back seat. It's when we feel our dependence on God and on each other. I mean, it's true for you. I mean, think about it. You're here watching today. So, yeah, it's true. Some people have asked me, like, what happens to churches during pandemic? I said, well, more people are watching than ever and less money. They asked why. And I said, well, it, it's really simple because uncertainty does both. It enhances our curiosity and it creates a scarcity of real resources complex. And that's just reality. And yet, if I'm going to be honest, most of what we are given in the scriptures was written during environments of uncertainty by people who faced extraordinary challenges. Because the Bible is not filled with feel-good messages for a world that we don't live in. Instead, we find God speaking directly into uncertain times, and we see his hand in the midst of uncertainty. I mean, go ahead, pick your favorite Bible story. Yeah, figure out who's your favorite Bible character and what's going on in that. Go ahead, take the Apostle Paul, Gideon, Moses, Daniel. He's in the lion's den. Abraham, even Jesus. Yeah, nobody was sitting by the pool ordering DoorDash. Because the Bible is not a book about rich people having fun. The Bible is filled with stories of people facing uncertainty and discovering that not only is God not absent, he's often diligently at work accomplishing his will in this world and in the lives of those he loves. So even when our personal lives or their personal lives are being tried and tested more than ever, in the midst of that, we are reminded how very much God is in control and how very much we are not. But what we find in Scripture seems to be kind of way passive. Sometimes the Bible takes a long time and it leaves us way too vulnerable. I mean, think about it. Noah, 40 days in the ark. By the way, we passed the 40-day mark. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness, and good Lord Jesus, I hope it's not that long. <laughs> Jesus was 40 days without food in the wilderness, and we learn, see, God sometimes takes a while. I mean, this is probably why Judas betrayed Jesus. He felt Jesus moved way too slow, so Judas took matters into his own hands. But could you imagine if Judas had just held on a little bit longer waiting for God to move? I mean, think about that. How different would his life have been? If he could have waited just another three to four days, he would have seen God and the whole world in God's hands, and he would have responded differently. But instead, Judas decided God was late or didn't care about him or he needed to take care of himself and instead of stay the course. Three to four days. But I think we can all wait another three or four days before we hit the panic button because before we decide to take matters into our own hands, we need to pause and as frustrating as some of the answers might be right now, the other options, I promise you, are worse. I mean, worry, panic, overreaction. 
I've never known any of those things to be productive. And believe me, I've tried and used them all. So what should we do? Well, today we hear from an expert. And if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound unrealistic. It may even sound crazy. So, I mean, just count that as my warning. But I'm glad you're here to hear it. Because if your uncertainty begins to drive you into self-destructive relationships or self-destructive habits or a destructive direction, then you'll need to know now that there is an alternative. So I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's a letter to Christians in Philippi, the first church in all of Europe. The letter was written from Rome by Paul, who had been arrested in Jerusalem, and he had claimed Roman citizenship, so that's why they transferred him to Rome for trial. And This is when Nero was the emperor. And on the way to Rome, his ship was caught in a storm and swept out to sea for two weeks. He wrecks on the island of Malta, where they spend three months, three months just stuck, And then he attends, and he's going to stand trial before Nero, and he arrives in Rome and lives under house arrest for at least two years, probably longer. But while he's there, he drew crowds to hear him teach until he was beheaded on the road several miles outside of Rome, around AD 61 to 66. But, But while he was there in Rome, he wrote the following to a church in Philippi. Chapter 4 of Philippians recorded, he says this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, which is to be in a state of joy, a state of well-being, always being glad. I mean, it makes you wonder, I mean, what did they smoke in the first century? Or at least, like, what kind of brand of toilet paper were they using? I mean, it certainly was not the cheap stuff. If he had written rejoice always, we should probably close the book and sort of move on. But he writes three other words in the middle that changes everything. He says, I will say it again, rejoice which is about location. And the the best way to understand this is to substitute like the word we would rejoice for. Like if we got a raise, we would rejoice or a bonus or if there was an engagement or a sale or if we got to participate in graduation or got a scholarship, we would take a long, hard look at that emotion that sweeps over us. But this rejoice is like the Cubs holding up the World Series trophy. I mean, it's that kind of response, which stands in stark contrast to Paul's circumstances and to ours. Because He's reflecting on God's goodness and mercy in his life, and he waits until his emotions sort of catch up. I mean, try that practice. Practice goodness and mercy, even if you don't feel like it. I mean, it's almost like fake it till you make it. I mean, well, at least until your emotions start to catch up. But this is why we sing on Sunday mornings. This is why we cheer at baptisms, and you're still allowed to do all that at home, too. It doesn't mean that you have to detach your emotions from your surroundings. It's to kind of bend them a little bit in God's direction so that you can recognize God's mercy and grace in your life. And then he says this, let your gentleness be evident to all in verse 5, which is kindness, courteous, a forbearing spirit. Don't let uncertainty take its toll on your character. The way you treat and respond to others matters. I mean, isn't that what happens? Uncertainty makes us edgy. We get a little jumpy. And kindness is the fruit of the Spirit. Often our kindness is like marketing for the condition of our soul. And Paul says, now now is when people will discover what's really going on inside of you. It's, It's an opportunity for you to shine. And so how has the recent uncertainty affected your responses to those around you? I mean, your temper, your nerves, your outburst? Paul says, look, the Lord is near. You're thinking, yeah, he may be near, but he ain't here. And many have said to this, do you know what's happened to me this week, Paul? Can you imagine? 
Some of you have had panic. But that's no reason to mistreat others. Paul says, do not, do not be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be distracted by the future, what may happen. Don't focus on it. But then he says, but in every situation, we need to channel that energy and that thought and that time. And he goes, here's what you need to do as you lay awake in bed at night. Here's what you need to do when you're bored on a Zoom call that really probably should have been an email. Here's what you do when you're with your family and it's raining and you can't go out by yourself to take a walk. He says, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the reason he loads up on prayer and petition, which is way bigger than like, oh, help me, God. Present isn't strong enough to reveal your request to God. It's deeper. It's like revealing a mystery about yourself. That, that's, it's not informing God. It's allowing God to know something deeper. It's about discovering about yourself what you really fear and why you're, what you really desire. Because uncertainty surfaces our deepest insecurities and our hidden values. And when you put, move past the prayer, oh, help me, God, find a, a job or help us sell our house or help me close the deal or, or what's really behind those requests is legitimate. Security, your concern for your family, your need to feel important again, your, your need to be viewed as a certain way by your peers. It's not that God doesn't know or care. Uncertainty elicits fear, and fear is explored and can reveal our deepest desires of what we really want. And when we're able to discover and give to God those deep, otherwise unknown desires, something happens. Something happens to you as a couple, as a family, when you're praying, when you're talking, when you discover what that fear is. I just want to remind parents, like, this is an opportunity this whole season to teach your kids about how to respond to uncertainty. Involve them in the process because this won't be the only time in their lives that they have uncertainty. It's a great opportunity to model, and, and this promise fits the suggestion and the interpretation of what the Apostle Paul is saying. And he says, and the peace of God. Now, he could have argued uh, that instead of peace, he wants to get out of prison. He doesn't want to be in Rome. He wants to go back. But he says, the peace which transcends all understanding, peace that doesn't make any sense because nothing in Paul's circumstances had changed. It's a peace that allows you to remain peaceful. And he says, we'll guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll stand over your heart and keep the uncertainty from controlling your emotions in your mind. So... This is still available to us today. I, I just didn't learn this from the Bible. I, I learned it there, but I also learned it from people I've known who have found this peace in their, their lives before there was peace that took place in their circumstances. So how do we pray until the peace comes? And, and what do you do while you wait? And you should know this, that sometimes God intervenes in our circumstances, and sometimes, yes, we find jobs, and sometimes we get better. Sometimes we're accepted. Sometimes we close the deal. Sometimes relationships get better. But all the time, there's the offer of peace if we come open-handed and make the secrets of our hearts known to God. And if we pray until the priest comes, this isn't uh, like instead of working hard or doing your part, you still got to do that. This is instead of allowing your anxiety to get the best of you. This is about placing into God's hands what only God's hands are capable of handling. So let me just close with some practical tips on praying until the peace comes. Begin this way. Heavenly Father, I need, and, and be specific. And I'm afraid that if I don't, or if you don't, then I'll, and what are you afraid of? Be specific. Because right there in your fear is the request that you must make known to you and then hand off to your Heavenly Father. 
Because when life is uncertain, God is not, because he still has the whole world in his hands. So let's pray for those who need peace. I mean, do you need it? I do. Maybe you just need to raise your hand even right where you're sitting today. And then pray for one another this morning. And today, as our closing prayer, we're going to have a song. And so as this song uh, begins to be sung, you can sing, you can listen, or you can pray. But my hope for you today is that you will allow that deep fear to be handed over to your Heavenly Father this morning. God bless.